Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Uh, three weeks ago, I talked about September being a September to remember for several different reasons. I stole that from Angela uh, Manley over here with her Faith Lane uh, calendar. But I want to thank you for uh, wearing a name tag for the month of September. A challenge is to wear a name tag and call each other by name. Thank you for doing that. Next week is October. There's still going to be name tags out in the lobby if you want to put one on, okay? Won't be anybody at a table hounding you to do it, but uh, we want to keep uh, calling. Amen, yeah. We want to keep using each other's names. We want to get to know each other by name. And the big news, the big schedule change is next week, starting in October, we are changing our worship times. Worship will start at 8.30 in the morning, 8.30 to about 9.30. At 9.30, we'll have some 242 Fellowship over here in the Family Life Center, some coffee and some light refreshments, just time to get to know each other, get to share with each other really special things that um, we just haven't been able to do in the last couple years. So we want to do that again, and then Bible class at 10 o'clock. I have heard some people who are very excited about the schedule change. I've heard a few who are less than excited about the schedule change. Hey, we can do this. Come on, I'm telling you, we can do We did it for years. Uh, we can do it again. So I'm looking forward to it. I'll see you bright and early next Sunday morning at 8.30. This morning we are also wrapping up our sermon series on following Jesus. And if nothing else, I hope that this series has reminded us that we really can live the Jesus life. That it really is possible to look and to act and to sound and to live more like Jesus. Remember, Jesus never asked anyone to accept him, but he has invited everyone to follow him. And in following him, we become more like the one that we're following. And the question that I want you to ask yourself this morning, because you're the only one that can really answer the question, the question I want you to ask yourself is, do I really want to be like Jesus? Do I really want to be like Jesus? Because if you do, there's going to be a cost involved. And you need to understand what it is you're signing up for when you make the decision that I want to be like Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. It's a little bit like the, the lawyer who was talking to a prospective client. And he said, so you want me to represent you? And the, the prospective client said, I sure do. And the lawyer asked, well, do you have any money? The man said, no, I don't have any money. The lawyer said, that's going to be a bit of a problem. The guy said, well, I've got a 1959 Corvette. The lawyer said, well, we might be able to work with that. Now tell me, what are you accused of stealing? The guy said, a 1959 Corvette. <laughs> it's not going to work, is it? The guy was a little bit confused of what was going to be expected of him, how the whole process worked. So, when the Bible says that we are to follow Jesus, do you really understand what that involves? Because there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians who I don't think really have a biblical understanding 
of what following Jesus is really all about. You know, I mentioned the very first week of this series that there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians, who uh, say they follow Jesus, who really like Jesus, but they don't do anything to be like Jesus. You know what? That is not the goal of this church. I'm just going to tell you, that is not our goal. If you're here this morning kind of checking us out, if you're online, what are these people all about? Let me tell you right now, our goal is not to get a bunch of people together who like Jesus. Our goal is to get people together to encourage each other, to strengthen each other, to learn about Jesus, and then go out into the world and be like Jesus. To be followers of Jesus, inviting other people to follow along with us, to be disciples who make disciples. If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to learn to live, to love, and to serve like Jesus. See the title of my lesson this morning, Follow Me in Service. We all know that Jesus himself said in Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. And here's the irony, and this is so true. So many people choose a church for exactly the opposite reason. So many people are looking for a church not where they can go and serve, but where they can go and be served. And so consequently, we turn into a bunch of consumers. And because of that, the church spends so much effort about trying to keep everybody happy so that members don't take you know, their, their membership down to the franchise down the road where they can be served better. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be worshiping someplace where your needs are being met. We absolutely want to be a place where people's needs are being met. All I'm saying is, when Jesus came to this earth, he wasn't talking about, he wasn't looking at what was in it for him. Because what was in it for him was a cross. So, Jesus came to serve other people. To serve other people, to give his life ransom for many. If we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to have to learn to serve other people. But I don't have to tell you that we live in a world that focuses much less on other people and much more on ourselves, right? Let me me try to illustrate this just a little bit. Nine years ago, the uh, Oxford English Dictionary chose as the word of the year, selfie. We all know what a selfie is, right? It's a picture that we take of ourselves. Twenty years ago, nobody knew what that word meant. Now everybody talks about selfies. Let me share with you some facts about selfies. You wonder what I do with my days? (laughs) There are 92 million selfies taken every day. 92 million. Women are one and a half times more likely to take selfies than men. Only 60% of people smile in their selfies. In the age group between 18 and 24, one in every three pictures they take is a selfie. 
50% of all pictures they post online of selfies are edited or use a filter. 43 people die every year taking a selfie. You think that's funny? <laughs> Which actually makes selfies more dangerous than sharks. More people die taking selfies than in shark attacks. 6% of all Americans think it's acceptable to take a selfie at a funeral. So obviously, you know, I'm doing all this research, 92 million uh, selfies taken a day. I realize I'm dragging the, 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 the uh, average way down. Uh, I'm not taking very many selfies. So this past week, I, I tried to take some selfies to share with you. Let me share with you a couple selfies that I took. This is me. This is me in front of my house. They're, they're not as easy as they look, right? But you know that's me, right? That is completely recognizable. I, I got better. This is a selfie of me working on this sermon. I'm working on this sermon in that selfie. You notice I'm one of the 60% that smile. Uh, no filter, but I'm smiling. Uh, this is a selfie of me getting ready to go for a run in the morning because I know how important it is to share pictures of yourself exercising and, and doing things, right? So I wanted to be sure and share a picture of me exercising. I'm, I'm going to post that, by the way. Hashtag putting in the work. So be looking for that one. Uh, this, is, this, this actually isn't a selfie. I had someone else take that. But I know I have to have a picture of me eating food. So that's a picture of me uh, eating a hamburger because, because you all wonder, what's my preacher eating today? So I wanted to share that with you. Um, this is me on the front porch reading a book. This is a classic selfie uh, 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 stage picture here. Martha actually said that it should be at the beach with my toes in the sand, you know, with the golf in the distance, but I didn't go to the beach last week, and nobody wants to see my feet. So, um, so yeah. By the way, I have not read that book. <laughs> I just thought, I'm going to one of these days, but I haven't read it yet. And then this is a selfie of me and my dog. Because, you know, everybody needs to see, aw, see, isn't that great? Everybody posts pictures of them and their pet. Yeah, see? So I took some selfies uh, this past week. Actually, I, I wanted to take uh, one more. Um, let's see if I can do this. Oh, no, oh, wait, I can't do it, wait. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, this side, yeah, everybody's, oh, yeah, now, now you're paying attention, aren't you? Okay, yeah, uh, that's not so good of me, I probably won't post those, but, um, okay, I get it, okay, selfies are fun, but I am not preaching against selfies, go ahead, take them, they're fun, they're, you know, they're, they're pretty harmless, unless you're one of the 43 people who die, I guess. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking a selfie. My point is, what I am sharing with the world, it's all about me. All those pictures was all about me. What I'm presenting to the world 
It's all about me. And again, you don't need me to tell you that our world is pushing people towards self-centeredness. But Jesus is calling us to swim against that tide, to kind of go against that me-first mentality. So, for example, in Mark chapter 9, we read that they came to Capernaum when he was in the house, talking about Jesus. He asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, if anybody wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Jesus is not saying that there's anything wrong with wanting to do something great with your life. What he is saying is, don't judge greatness the way the world judges greatness. The world thinks of greatness from the top down. Jesus says in the kingdom, we're going to measure greatness from the bottom up. In the kingdom, if you want to be great, you're going to have to serve some people. And this tendency to put ourselves before other people is so strong that even those very first, those very closest followers of Jesus, who had been with Jesus for three years, right up to the end, they're still struggling with it. I mean, to the very end, they're still struggling with the pecking order. They get together for a meal, a Passover meal. Uh, We call it the Last Supper that Jesus shares with these men. And they're still arguing about this idea. And so Jesus is going to use some actions and not just words. John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Think about this. If there was ever a moment in anybody's life when that person would have been justified to think about themselves, think about what they were getting ready to do, to think about what was going on in their life, this would be it. Jesus knows the time is now. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. If there was ever a moment in anybody's life when a person might be justified in harboring some hatred toward another person, this would be it. Judas is at the table. Jesus knows what Judas is about to do. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. If there was ever a moment in anybody's life when a person would feel justified to think that I should be served, that I'm superior, that I'm at the top of the pecking list, this would be it. So, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he'd wrapped around him. Instead of grabbing the seat of honor, which he deserved, Jesus grabbed a towel. So I'm going to ask you again, Do you really want to be like Jesus?
Because if you want to be like Jesus, there's some things about service that you're going to have to come to grips with. Some things that you're going to have to understand about service. And the first is this. You need to understand, if we're followers of Jesus, then service is our identity. You know, we, we live in a world now that apparently we can identify as anything we want. Jesus says, if you're a follower of mine, you are going to identify as a servant. People are going to know you as a servant. And Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't perfectly modeled. You know, when Jesus came down, he came way down. Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He didn't come to this earth greater than everybody, although he was. He came to this earth less than anybody. He made himself nothing. Took the nature of a servant. Luke chapter 6. A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who's fully trained will be like his teacher. We're talking about following Jesus. We're following our teacher. If we're following our teacher, we should be coming more like our teacher, and the teacher was a servant. When you said, I will follow Jesus, you signed up to be a servant. Yeah, there are a lot of job descriptions in the kingdom. There's only one job title, servant. When you said, I will follow Jesus, you are identifying yourself as a servant. I read one Christian writer this past week who made a comment that that, uh, stuck out to me. He said, we've got to quit calling what we do for Jesus ministry and start calling it Tuesday. And I thought, what a great quote. Had to think about it a minute, but it was a great quote. We've got to quit calling what we do for Jesus ministry and we've got to start calling it Tuesday. In other words, service isn't some hat that we put on and take off whenever we feel like it. Service isn't just what we are called to do. It's who we are called to be. It's how we live our lives. Is service your identity? Or is it just a hat that you take on, take off? And I'll tell you how you can know. Who are you when nobody's applauding? Who are you when when nobody notices? Nobody says thank you. Service is our identity. It's also our responsibility. Following Jesus is not just about all the things that you don't do. Now, Jesus really didn't come to this earth going, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. I don't want you doing this. Read the Gospels. Most of Jesus' teaching is, I want you to do this. I want you to be this. I want you to live in this way. It's not just something that we are called away from. Christianity is something we are called into. We haven't just been saved from, we've been saved for. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's workmanship. I love the translation, it says we are God's masterpiece. 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you ever became a follower of Jesus, God had good works in mind, planned for you to do. Jesus did not call us to be consumers. He called us to be contributors. And we've all been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. If we are followers of Jesus, we all have the same Holy Spirit living in us, empowering us to do good. Now, we don't all serve in the same way. 1 Corinthians 12 says, you know, there's, there's lots of service, only one Lord. But Peter says in 1 Peter 4, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. You have been gifted by the Holy Spirit. Peter said, here's how you use that gift. Serve others. So, figuratively, we all stand with the basin of water. And we can live our lives like Pilate, washing our hands. I said, I'm walking away from it. I'm not taking any responsibility. Or we can grab a towel like Jesus. Serving is our identity. Serving is our responsibility. And if you're a follower of Jesus, service has got to be your priority. Now, why did Jesus wash those feet? That night in the upper room. Why did Jesus wash his disciples' feet? Well, he did it to teach them a lesson. And that's true because that's what it says. But what was the deep, profound, mysterious lesson that Jesus was trying to teach? You know, I've, I've heard that discussed so many times. You know, why did he do it? You know, why did he do it the place he did and the time he did? And what was the significance? And I don't know, but personally, I think one big reason why Jesus washed their feet that night was because they were dirty. And when a servant sees a need, they respond. And that's what Jesus is sending us out into the world to do. You know, he didn't send us into the world to to force our theology on anybody. He's sending us into the world as, as servants. Because in the kingdom, it doesn't happen from the top down. In the kingdom, it happens from the bottom up. Now, we live in a world where it seems like everybody wants to argue about everything. Am I the only one that sees that? No, man, just everybody wants to argue about everything. Politics, morals, sports, (laughs) certainly religion. Everybody wants to argue about things. And I said at the very beginning of this uh, series that there's people that have seen so many so-called Christians that don't look anything like Jesus that they're a little bit skeptical of the whole thing. So our message can't just be with words. Our message has to include action. And and there will be people who disagree with our message. And there will be people who push back on our teaching. But I have found that no one will argue with you when you're serving them. There is absolutely no effective rebuttal to Christian service. Nobody has a problem with that. And everybody notices it. 
because it is so rare in our world. Everybody notices when you're just serving, not to get anything out of it, but just to do something for someone else. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 2. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Ruminate on that statement for just a minute. You want to talk about something that is countercultural? It's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. You know how we silence the ignorant talk of foolish men? We argue with them. We let them know how smart we are, how not smart they are. We let them know we're right, they're wrong. Peter says, you want to silence the ignorant talk of foolish men? Do this. Do good for them. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. How do you live your life? I want to live as a servant of God. And sometimes it's hard for us to believe that it really matters. I mean, does anybody notice? Does anybody care? Is it making any kind of difference? Because nobody's clapping. Nobody's liking us on social media. Maybe we just need a different perspective. Maybe we need a higher perspective of the service that God calls us to do. This is a guy named Simon Beck. Simon Beck is an artist. He used to run for exercise, but he injured himself, and he wasn't able to run anymore, but he still wanted to get exercise, so he put on a pair of snowshoes and started walking around in the snow. But he's an artist. So he began to wonder, what would happen if I was more intentional in my walking? What if I walked around in the snow with some intentionality? So he took a compass, and he took the imagination of an artist, and he started walking in the snow with intentional steps. And from where he was walking, it didn't look like anything but somebody messing up the snow. But when you got to a higher perspective, it changed. And those are just a couple examples of the snow art created by Simon Beck. And you look at those pictures, and it's obvious every step matters. Every single step is important. You can't see it when you're there with him. But when you change your vantage point, when you change your perspective, it becomes obvious that guy is creating a masterpiece. I'm convinced that when Jesus sends his followers into the world, every step matters. And every step is creating a masterpiece for the glory of God. And all of you who have been serving for so long, so tirelessly, so thanklessly, you are creating a masterpiece. And you might not see it. And you might not realize it. But don't you become weary in well-doing. So, when you wonder if it's worth it, when you get tired of everybody, you know, dumping things on you, 
when it seems like the light at the end of the tunnel is moving away from you, not getting any closer, my challenge and my encouragement is just take another step. Every step matters. Just take another step. And maybe for you this morning, taking one more step is just writing one more card. Making one more call. Even though no one ever writes you a card, no one ever calls you, just take another step. Maybe you're in a season in your life right now where we're taking a step is just, just focusing on your family. Especially those of you with young children. Whew, it's hard. I mean, it seems like your life is nothing but cooking and cleaning and mountains of laundry and dirty diapers and cleaning up kids and cleaning up messes. Trust me, you are creating a masterpiece. Take another step. Maybe you're in a season in your life where you're caring for your elderly parents. And it's exhausting. And you're conflicted about it. And it seems like that road just goes on forever. Take a step. Just take a step. One more step. Maybe it's just being kind to the waitress this afternoon. You know, somebody's helping you at lunch and she's having a bad day. and She's really not doing a very good job, but you give her a smile. You give her a kind word. You leave her a nice tip. Just take a step. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So I will ask you one more time, do you want to be like Jesus? Because if you want to be like Jesus, you're going to have to get your hands dirty. If you want to be like Jesus, you're going to have to serve some people. You know, our our culture tells us that when we arrive, everyone's going to serve us. That's how we'll know. That's how we'll know that we've arrived, when we have people doing things for us. Jesus said, in the kingdom, it's going to be from the bottom up. In the kingdom, if you want to be exalted... You humble yourself. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you serve someone. You say, well, who would do that? I mean, come on, who's going to fall for that? What's the payoff? That's the best part. What's the payoff? To one day here, well done, good and faithful servant. That Jesus life, is really possible. That masterpiece is possible, but it only happens one step at a time. And it only happens when we're following Jesus. If we can help you this morning in your Christian walk, we'll invite you to come to the front and let us know how. Let's go ahead and be standing uh, as we sing.